Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leninger Holt. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter, and I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, Joan Gary, or Nonprofits Are Messy. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account, and you can find a link to open the account on the page for this episode. You can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 20-minute mark or so. The call-in number is area code 347-884-8121. Again, that number is area code 347 347- Today's topic is Nonprofits are Messy. We'll talk about the issues surrounding nonprofit leadership using examples from Joan Gary's experiences and her new book, Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions at about the 20-minute mark. You can start posting in the chat room now and emailing questions. Again, my email address is consulting at ValerieFMinute.com. If you want to participate in the live chat, you must open an account, and the link is found on the episode page. The call-in number again is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit and community development professionals are especially encouraged to call in and share your probably war stories by now and your strategies. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> today's guest is Joan Gary, a nationally recognized nonprofit thought leader and principal of Joan Gary Consulting. For nearly a decade, Joan served as the executive director of GLAD, one of the largest gay rights organizations in the country, where she launched several successful media campaigns including GLAD's successful campaign to lobby the New York Times to include same-sex wedding announcements in its style section. She later acted as the co-chair of Barack Obama's LGBT Finance Committee during his 2008 presidential campaign. Joan now works with nonprofit leaders, assisting with crisis management, executive coaching, and the building of strong management teams to support the work of the CEO. She also teaches nonprofit media strategy as a professor at the Annenberg School for Communications at the University of Pennsylvania and is the blogger for, and is a blogger for the Huffington Post. Joan's nonprofit work began after 14 years in executive positions in corporate entertainment, including her role as a member of the management team that launched MTV in 1981. So thanks for joining us today, Joan. Before we get started, can you share an overview of some of the most prevalent issues surrounding nonprofit leadership that you've encountered over the years? 
You bet. Valerie, thank you very much, and thank you for the work that you're doing to sort of share these resources with uh, nonprofit leaders uh, through, uh, through, your, um, through, this, uh, through this podcast. Um, I, find, I have certainly found that people are really hungry to learn more so that they can uh, know more and do more. Um, you know, I would say the answer to your question, Valerie, I think is uh, there are two pieces. Uh, I think one of the most prevalent issues surrounding nonprofits today is the, um, <clears throat> the relationship between the staff and the board of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very often I find tension, animosity that stems from a lack of role clarity between the two of them, uh, where the expectations from staff to board are very high, but that the role hasn't been very clearly defined for board members. Um, I have, in fact, it led me to become a certified mediator because so often I was dealing with tensions (laughs) between the, between the board chair and the executive director of an organization. Um, So I think that sort of this relationship, and I like to think about really fine nonprofits like twin engine jets, um, and that these two entities are really those engines and they really have to work very, very much in tandem. Um, The second thing that I think is prevalent, and it goes to um, why I I talk about nonprofits being messy, um, is I think it's something that you really have to – that you really have to understand about nonprofits is um, is that they're sort of designed in this kind of messy way where you have really super passionate people uh, who work crazy hours because they're so passionate. They are often underpaid. Then they're then they have to corral tons and tons of volu- you know hopefully tons of volunteers, and they're also managed. Not by, you know, they're managed by volunteers who are supposed to give tons of time. They're supposed to go out and raise money. They're supposed to give money. And, like, when you put all of that together, it's, it's actually really kind of messy. And managing mm-hmm. that mess is, I think, one of the, um, the real challenges and, and honestly one of the real opportunities of nonprofit leadership. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is awesome. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? And you can share some of the lessons that let us know that you were on the right course. And then I'm sure there's (laughs) at least one, at least one, every one of us has at least one of those lessons that we will never, ever, ever forget. Um, Can I start with the good ones first? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, why don't, yeah, I'll be I'll be um happy before I'm humble. Um <laughs> so I you know, I came to nonprofit work from the for-profit sector where people were driven to come to work every day. Sure, you know, MTV and then I worked at Showtime. People were really passionate about the programming and but <clears throat> um but um, at the end of the day, it was a lot about how much money you made and what, what bonus you collected at the end of the year. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I have learned about the, just the sheer um, – um, the thing that's so, that I so admire about the nonprofit um, landscape is that you're not, you're not working with people who are driven to come to work every day by how much their year-end bonus is going to be. 
And so as a result, you have to manage them differently. And I think one of the lessons I've learned by being in the nonprofit sector for a while and also as a consultant is that you have to learn how to manage people three-dimensionally. They are full-fledged human beings who came to nonprofit work because they're passionate, because they have skills to contribute, but also because they want a voice. And so I think, you know, I think one of the lessons that I've learned is, 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 that, is this whole notion that, um, that you get so much out of, and there's just an just a incredible richness to being a part of a nonprofit organization because you actually are working with people in this very three-dimensional way, and you really get to understand and hear the voices of all the staff, whether they are your most junior or your most senior. So I'd say that's on the good side. I think that's something that I, I think that most people don't really realize about the nonprofit sector. That I think is important to, to talk about. On the um, so uh, a lesson that I've learned uh, that um, I try not to repeat. Um, <laughs> um, it's actually it's one of the things that I start talking about in in my book um, is that um, your passion for the organization. Um, as I was an executive director, can actually almost send you right over the edge. <laughs> and um, and so, my, very well. right, right, as, as that you just become sort of a, you can have this risk of becoming a completely crazy person. And my story is that I showed up at a board me- meeting. It was in Chicago, actually. And I flew from New York, and my, and my development director flew from Los Angeles, and she walked into the, into the boardroom, and she did not look well. And I had heard she wasn't feeling that well. And then I also looked, and I realized that she had some kind of a, I don't know, something was funny about her blouse. And I realized that my development director was wearing a heart monitor. Oh, and. Okay. And that the intensity and, and the stress of the job had caused her um, to have palpitations, which led her doctor to put her on a heart monitor. Now, the only thing crazier than my not saying, Julie, you need to go home, is that Julie got on a plane to begin with. So we were both crazy knuckleheads. Um, and um, it turns out Julie was fine, and the board meeting was a huge success, but it was a complete and utter wake-up call for me and for Julie um, about, like, you, like, the fact that neither of us actually said, this is crazy, you, you're on a heart monitor, what the heck are you doing here, get on the next flight home. And like the lengths that you go to, and that that, that there really is, and uh, you know, Beth Cantor, who is another excellent, excellent nonprofit resource and blogger in this space, has written a book called The Happy Healthy Nonprofit, which, where she talks mm-hmm. about self care as being absolutely critical to nonprofit success. And I feel like I learned that the hard way. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I thank you for sharing. Uh, most people are not that transparent, and and I really appreciate your transparency. You know, because, you know, once we have, quote, unquote, arrived, we we want everybody to think that, you know, we're all that and we're all that that image, right? We don't want to bear the the chinks in our armor, so I I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I I felt like when I started my blog at JoanGary.com back in 2012, that I felt like that that was going to be what I was going to bring to the table was a sort of, 
you know, an authenticity about what working in that sector is like. And I've played essentially every position on the nonprofit field. I started as a corporate sponsor, an executive director. I've been a board member. I've, I'm, I'm a donor to a number of organizations um, <clears throat> and now a consultant. And so, you know, I bring a lot of authenticity, both the good stuff and the bad stuff, to everything I write. And we appreciate that. So you, <laughs> you state that in your experiences as the executive director of GLAD, the partnership between your board chair and you was, quote, at the core of what was a robust, strategic, and effective nonprofit organization. In fact, your leadership chemistry was so great, you used Karen as a model to develop a comprehensive checklist of attributes of great nonprofit board chairs. Can you share a few of these attributes and let our audience know where they can find it on your website? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, first of all, Karen, uh, um, uh, I don't think too many executive directors who write books actually acknowledge you know, one of their board chairs in the acknowledgement section of the book. And so um, it is a testament to Karen that, uh, that she, gets, she gets a shout-out from me, both on my blog and in my book. Um, you know, you can start by just saying really quickly that um, so there's a there's a piece on my blog at joangary.com and that's with two R's and it's just called the five star board chair checklist and you can just actually mm-hmm. Google that and you'll find it that way as well the five star board chair checklist and I start by talking about what a, what a five star board chair isn't and in really mm-hmm. rapid fire I can tell you um, <clears throat> it is uh, someone uh, who is um, you're not looking for someone who is a micromanager. You're not someone. You're looking for somebody who is unavailable. You're not looking for somebody for whom the power of that that credential on their CV is is somehow important. And nor and and you're not looking for somebody who, frankly, was like in the restroom when they voted for board chair and they were the only person that actually, <laughs> you know, was available, right? It's like, you know, so, so often board chairs are selected because nobody else will do it. And, and it's, a, it's a huge, huge disservice to the organization. Um, and so when I make this list, and I'll just give you a couple of them, what I'll say is that I know that there are people that are going to listen to this and say, well, that's great, Joan, and if you find anybody like that, you know, um, we should have them canonized because um, they must be saints and they ain't anywhere near my nonprofit, right? But what you're looking for, you know, is you're looking for somebody, first of all, who's deeply passionate about the mission of the organization. It's the number one criteria in, in for, for anybody, staff or board, regardless of position. Um, do they actually respect the CEO? Um, do they have enough time and when I talk about time, they're also you're looking for schedule autonomy, right? They don't have to be retired, and they don't, but they they have to have some ability to have a meeting with you during a business day. Um, they have to be able to um, ask tough questions constructively. I find that nonprofit executive directors have much thinner skin than people think they do. <laughs> um, uh, they have that you know they have to understand that managing the board. Right, that shaping it, who's on it, how effective it is, is their job. So that's you know mentoring and guiding and shaping leaders and committee chairs. I mean, it's a it's a big job. And then, um, and I would say um, also, um, you want somebody who can model good fundraising. 
behavior, right? You can't have somebody who's your board chair who, um, who um, you know, when you say the word fundraising, they scrunch their face up like they just ate a bowl of lima beans or something, right? So, you know, it has to be somebody who understand, not only understands the role but is a champion for it. And at, at the end of the day, what you're really looking for is you're looking for a thought partner, a thought partner, somebody you can kick the tires with, somebody who you can be honest with, somebody who can say, you know what, I don't think I – I don't think I did this very well. Can you help me on this? Right? That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a thought partner. Oh, that's awesome. You know what I what I like about your checklist is it's so human, you know? It it's it's not this you know, check, got this, got that. You know, it's really um a personification of this ideal person. And yes, can yeah. should be canonized. Yeah, <laughs> Based and on I what think I read. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I'm also a fan of co-chairs. I'm a fan of chairs and vice chairs because, you know, Mother Teresa isn't always available to be your board chair. So, you know, right? So if you can get two different people, you know, and one of them is out of town or, you know, one of them has a particular strength. So one of them is a, is a keen fundraiser and the other one is great on, like, organizational development or something like that. You know, so I, I – the co-chair thing it can be a pretty good model that I think um, more nonprofits should take to, should take a look at. Awesome. Okay. I just want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're speaking with Joan Gary. She's principal with Joan Gary Consulting. We'll take questions from our listening audience and chat room in about five minutes. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Valerie, don't you think we ought to talk about fundraising? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We we do. We need to demystify it. You know, all too often we think of fundraising as this this thing that only quote-unquote gifted people can do. But I I know that you are a a very um, outgoing person and you've done some sales in your your previous life, but you were able to transfer a lot of those skills into nonprofit. So can you share with us how you transferred your corporate skills? You know, one is a corporate sponsor and, you know, and you were also an executive. How did you transfer those skills into nonprofit? both as a manager and as a fundraiser. So the first thing you should know, Valerie, is that when I arrived at GLAD, I had no fundraising experience. And I really had done very little sales of any sort. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, leave it to a nonprofit board to go ahead and hire an, an executive director for an organization that at that time was in really um, pretty deep financial trouble. Leave it to a nonprofit board to hire somebody with no fundraising experience as their new executive director. Um, but, but what they here's the thing: what you talked about was skills, Valerie, and I think what you really need to be, what people need to be looking about is attributes. Okay. Because that, because what fundraising really is is it's relationship building and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Here's my so there's 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 kind of three things. So Julie, the one I just mentioned earlier, who arrived at the board meeting on the heart monitor, 
I think she actually probably almost had a heart attack when I was hired because I had no fundraising experience and she had seen the financials and I had not. Um, but Julie, she said, okay, great. They hired somebody who's never fundraised before. And so we were getting ready to go out on our first ask. And she says to me, okay, Joan, I want you to know something really important. I said, okay. She said, it makes people feel really good to give money to causes they care about. I was like, really? She's like, yes. I was like, let's go. Because what you find is most people who run nonprofits are fundamentally pleasers. So if I could actually make somebody happy by giving them the opportunity to feel good by donating to a cause they cared about, like I'm, I was so there. So that was one thing, right? It makes people feel good to give mm-hmm. co- money to causes they care about. The second thing uh-huh. is an is the second thing is an equation that I've sort of created and I use when I use with clients and in workshops and things like that is that <clears throat> is, 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 this, is the centrality of storytelling to the ability to raise money. And my equation goes like this. You take a credible ambassador for the organization, could be a lead volunteer, mm-hmm. a board member, a staff member. So credible ambassador plus mm-hmm. compelling story that brings the work to life equals mm-hmm. a check, equals a check, right? If I, as a worker, can learn to tell, like, a really good story after getting mm-hmm. to know that prospect, asking them to write a check is the easiest part. The last thing I just really want to say is that if you're on a board or if you're, you know, if you're on a board and you say, I'm afraid to fundraise, I don't want to ask my friends for money, I, I, I'm, I really don't think I can ask, maybe I can sell a ticket, but I don't know that I could really ask, you have to really look at yourself in the mirror and ask this question, mm-hmm. is your passion for this organization greater than your fear of asking for money? Wow. And if your passion for the organization is not greater than your fear, then you should not be on that board. I love it. That, that should be an interview question for board members. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. But I mean, that assumes that the board mm-hmm. recruitment committee is making it very, very clear that the board member has fundraising uh, obligations and that there is an expectation that they're going to do that. Okay, and what I love about your book, Nonprofits Messy, um, actually it's, it's a guide to nonprofit leadership because nonprofits are messy. And Correct. I think you touched on some of the things that inspired you to write the book, but one of the favorite parts of the book that that I like is when you talk about the superheroes. You know, I, I like to talk about, you know, Superman's not going to save us, but you had a whole list of different superheroes for different situations when it comes to hiring people. And, you know, can you share with us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. And I, and I would say that, uh, you know, I, I – uh, just on, the, on your on your question about it, what inspired me to write a book, I just wanted to say that um, uh, I didn't write a book just because I thought it would be a good thing to do. Like I did a lot of homework about what wasn't out there for people, mm-hmm. and I wanted to I wanted to know that I could actually fill a gap. 
And uh, I found that um, there was not a resource out there that was written that could be read by both a staff leader and a board leader. Because I don't think it matters whether you're paid or unpaid. That the issues are exactly the same. Can you tell a good story? Can you ask for money? What do you do when there's a leadership transition? All of those things are, if you think about my model of a great nonprofit as a twin engine jet and a board chair and a CEO as co-pilots, mm-hmm. then the then, then, then this is, you know, I wanted to write a book that was sort of a guide to fly in the plane, right? So mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that there wasn't anything out there that looked at, that could be read by both cohorts. And, um, and um, uh, there also, I wanted to make sure that there were topics that I could cover that were not covered elsewhere in anything that I had read. And there were two that specifically that came up. And one was, one was about this issue of storytelling, which I think is central to nonprofit leadership. And everyone that ever writes about leadership talks about great leaders as great storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is the one that nonprofit, uh, nonprofit leaders sort of refuse to think about because they're such optimists, which is you know, sort of what, hap- what happens when it hits the fan. Um, right, you know, right. What does crisis management look like? But on the flip side... You know, and this is a little bit about my style, you know, so I sort of look at, you know, sort of who do you want as your next executive director or your next board chair? Do you want Superman? Do you want Spider-Man? Do you want Gumby? Do you want Kermit? Um, I've since added... I've since added Katniss to add some gender, uh, gender balance to it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you know, you got Superman uh, who's a command and control, right, um, uh, which doesn't typically work in a nonprofit setting. Um, you know, Spider-Man is just rich with integrity, but at its fundamentally, Peter Parker's a super insecure guy. And insecurity will, co- will, will come and get you as a leader. Um, the thing that will really come and get you as a leader is being overly pleasing and saying yes to everyone, and that's what Gumby does, right? He'll fall bend over backwards to make you happy. And your goal is not to make, as a nonprofit leader, is not to make everybody happy. Your job is to focus on that North Star, which is your mission, and that every action you take has to feel in your gut like it's in the service of that North Star. And, and Gumby, Gumby's not able to do that. And so I land on Kermit as the ideal um, nonprofit leader at the board or the staff level um, because he's humble, uh, because he's, uh, he's a team player. He kind of is a great orchestra conductor, right? We know that he digs diversity, right? And there's not, right. Not, a whole bunch of, not a whole bunch of frogs in his club, right? Um, <laughs> right. Uh, um, he's really diplomatic. He, he wants to hear what everybody has to say, but he has a vision. He's going to put on that show, right? He's going to put on that show and that everybody's going to play their own part in making sure that show is a success. And then, you know, the last thing I joke about is that, of course, he also knows how to deal with high-maintenance people. And if you're a nonprofit leader, you've always got a high-maintenance board member, a high-maintenance <laughs> yeah. donor, and, you know, Kermit has Miss Piggy. So, um, you know, so that's – but it, I used it because I think it's a, a pretty accessible way of thinking about it. And in the book, I go into a, quite a lot of detail about, okay, so let's, let's see – let's – be honest, if you tend to be somebody who's kind of Gumby-like, how do you contend with that? Like, not everybody's Kermit, so how do you, you know, sort of how do you compensate, 
you know, if you're sort of command and control and how do you, so mm-hmm. we, you know, we sort of, because, you know, not everybody's hardwired, not everybody's hardwired um, uh, like Kermit. And, and I believe that everybody can change and educate themselves and develop different strategies for overcoming some of their own um, sort of liabilities, so leadership liabilities, because mm-hmm. not everybody's great at everything. Right, and and I love that approach because, you know, all too often when we think of a CEO of an organization, we have a stereotype in our mind, and, and usually the stereotype mm-hmm. that comes to mind is the Superman. Thank you so yeah, much. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think it's also true, though. I think different stages of a nonprofit's life calls for different people, right? So at the beginning, right. I arrive, at a, I arrive at, a, at a nonprofit that's in trouble. I'm probably going to take a lot more charge than I am once the organization is steady and we're thinking about where we're going to go next. So, you know, it, 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 you evolve, and so that's why you have to sort of think about these prototypes and where they make the most sense and, um, and how to compensate for, you know, the fact that you might be somebody who's a little bit more of a pleaser or a little bit more insecure, those sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to check and see if this caller has a question for you before we go. Hold on just a moment. Okay, caller, you're at area code 773-624-0585. You've been listening for the past half hour. Did you have any questions or comments? Uh, Just, hi, Valerie. Really just... All right, this is David Pendleton. Um, yes. Really just a comment, just thanking Joan uh, for, I've been reading and listening to her for two years. I'm on her mailing list. Nice. And just really just giving her her a, uh, a thank you for giving me so much that nobody wants to listen to, but I know it's true. So I fight the good <laughs> fight, and believe me, I know how to say no. But thank her for taking your call and and, 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 and being a, a partner with you. Hey David, what do you what thank you very much. What do you what do you what um, nonprofit are you uh, connected to? Uh Door of Hope Rescue Mission in Chicago. Um what do you we do? deal with we're we're a Christian organization for homeless men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually for men who are homeless, I think that's a better description. And I've had two transitions uh, with my board of directors, and I finally have created the power to fire them. So I'm, I'm, I'm reorganizing and putting things together where we can actually function. And most of what you're saying is exactly what I believe. And, I, and I'm glad that I'm on the right track. Well, I'm really glad you're on the right track, and I'm sure that every, every guy that comes, through, comes into that shelter is super happy you're on the right track too. Oh, we have great meetings. We just had one the last three hours earlier. That's that's awesome. Anyway, and, and, I, and I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. It's actually one of the things that really motivates me to write, and um, is that I've, I've you know it's just really gratifying to hear that that anything that yeah. I you know, have to say actually has some has some value or affirms what you're thinking, all that. So it's great. So thank you for that. I have a new page called Mission Possible that eighty percent of its posts are your stuff on Facebook. Wow. It's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, David. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a fan. Thanks. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Thanks, David. Yes, yes. Thank you, Val. Okay, thank you. All righty. So, Joan, I've got one more question. I realize that we are a little bit over, but, you know, there's a burning question about millennials. You know, for the very first time, they have outnumbered us baby boomers in the workforce. And on top of this, a number of other dynamics are impacting the nonprofit sector that we're seeing more leadership transitions. And, and you devote a whole chapter to leadership transition in your book. Can you share with us any sage advice on leadership transition? Well, I can share some advice, and then your listeners can decide whether it's sage or not. Um, uh, I can tell you that, um, you know, the first thing to say is that it should – you know, what's the average tenure of a nonprofit executive director or a board chair? Is it five years? Is it seven years? I don't know. But it's not, you know, it's not 20 years, right? So right. Your, your organization is always pretty close to a leadership transition. Either, you know, either somebody's moving out, somebody's moving in, right? And so mm-hmm. somehow or another, it seems to catch organizations by surprise. That people leave. Like, I don't get that. Like, it shouldn't surprise them. Right? The same is true with board chairs, right? Is they usually, what do they get? You know, if you have term limits, you get like two years, something like that, right? So, so it, it, it infuriates me, actually. It's one of the reasons I wrote the chapter, is that people just don't, they don't think about it. So, having a succession plan, a real honest to goodness succession plan, um, not just like, and I've heard this a million times. This is not like, okay, it's time for us once a year. We have to go into executive session um, uh, uh, without our executive director and say, okay, let's just talk for a few minutes about what happens if Joan gets hit by a bus. <laughs> I don't know why they always have to frame it that way, but it's always framed like that. It's time to talk about what happens if Joan gets hit by a bus. Right? And so they have this conversation that kind of goes nowhere, and then they say they've had it. So um, – <clears throat> Real live succession planning, it should be something an organization does. It should be actually, it should be embedded in any kind of strategic plan that an organization creates, however simple or straightforward it may be. The second thing is you just, you just have to recognize that leadership transitions are the single most destabilizing things that happen to nonprofits because your leader leaves. Right? And so you have to take it so seriously. Um, and, and I have this other phrase. Um, weak boards will always make bad hires, and strong boards often, strong boards often make bad hires. <laughs> Is that you have to approach this job like a full-time job with intention in order to make the best possible hire. And the last thing I will say that is related to that is then mm-hmm. I did a, I did a podcast with a guy named Don Tebby, and you can find my podcast on iTunes. It's called Nonprofits Are Messy, uh, and we cover a whole bunch okay. of subjects. But I think it was two weeks ago I did something on leadership transitions. Nice thirty minute interview for your elliptical machine or your drive to work, right? And in that okay. chapter, the thing that we talk about is the single biggest problem is that board members are volunteers. They get a candidate pool, Mm -hmm. and they pick the best of that candidate pool, whether that candidate pool is strong 
or whether it's mediocre. And the single biggest mistake that organizations make is that they select a candidate who is the best of a mediocre lot because they're volunteers, they want to check it off their list, and they, will, and they just don't want to keep the search open. So the single biggest piece of advice I could give is make sure your board is as strong as it can possibly be because a leadership transition is, a, is, is, is like taking your boat out into very choppy waters. And so you're, you know, the captain and crew have to be super strong, and they have to be strong enough to say, no, we do not have a strong enough candidate pool for the work that we do. We've got to keep it open until the right candidate comes along. Because the best of a mediocre lot, you can talk yourself into the best of a mediocre lot, and organizations do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, hiring under duress is the worst thing, I I think. You bet. You're totally right, I've experienced it. Yep, yep. We don't have enough time to go through that horror story. No, no, but there. I think you opened by talking about war stories. There are a lot of war stories in that category. Oh, my goodness. So we've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank you again, Joan. Um, Joan Gary is the principal of Joan Gary Consulting. And before we go, would you care to have any parting thoughts and tell us how we can reach you and tell us where we can buy your book and all that good stuff? Oh, thanks. Um, so uh, my book is on Amazon. Um, my book will be available in bookstores uh, beginning on March 6th. You can pre-order it now at a discount on Amazon.com. Just Google Joan Gary, G-A-R-R-Y. Feel free. Um, David actually was a, just a really, I didn't pay him or anything. He was just a great, uh, did a, just did a great advertisement for my blog. I write weekly. <laughs> Um, and that's actually easy to remember. That's just joangary.com, J-O-A-N is Nancy, G-A-R-R-Y.com. And my podcast on iTunes is called Nonprofits Are Messy. Um, and um, my book is called Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership. Um, and um, I think my parting comment is uh, one of the reasons I have become a bit of a nonprofit evangelist uh, is um, – because not very long after I got to my nonprofit leadership job, I realized that, I, that, that not very many people get paid, however you, know, however you, you, know, however you mm-hmm. think about your paycheck, but not very many people have the joy and privilege of being paid to make, to make such a difference in the world, to, um, uh, to, to, to change the world for, for yeah, clients and communities. It's um, it's a joy and it's a privilege, and I and I one of the reasons I write a lot of stuff that's funny is because I want people to remember the joy and the humor that comes with being a nonprofit leader. It's very serious work, but it's also just a joy and a privilege. Yes, yes, yes. And David is, you know, indirectly responsible for your being a guest. He's like Valley Valley. You have to read about Joan Gary, and then I started reading, and I got hooked, and now every week I, I put some of your blog, your blog entries, you know, put links to them in my email newsletter, and people just love it, so. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. You're and, very and welcome. David, thank you. And David, I have you on one more time to see if you have any closing remarks. You know, I, I thank you for bringing Joan and me together. 
Okay, so David is no longer with us. But again, I want to thank our listening audience for listening to Nonprofit U today. The show will be available for download within about an hour. Be sure to tune in next week for a discussion with Amalio Nieto Gomez. She's the Executive Director of the Alliance of the Southeast, and we're going to be talking about how they use comprehensive community engagement strategies to actually drive democracy and community planning, if you can imagine such a thing in Chicago. All right, so, <laughs> so you may be from the East Coast, but it sounds like you know a little bit of something about Chicago, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been I've been around, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thanks again. My pleasure. And you take, and you take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.